Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome back to the Circuit Clouds podcast, the official podcast of Nightly Baseball, purveyors of fine fake baseball since 1951. Baseball is fake, but the podcast is real. And we're moving on to the top eight. Hello, Lance. Hello, Kamish. Hello, Glenn. Yo, yo, yo. Long time no see. Good to be back with you guys. Nice to be back here. It seems like it's been forever. It's been a very, very long time. So number okay. eight, according to Glenn's rankings, is the Atlanta Hilltoppers. This is a team that uh, Andy Cheney took over in 1980. They were dead last. They were a Waffle House team. They went from 14th to 10th, sorry, 14, 12, 10, 10. They've been on the rise very slowly, but surely. And this year, Glenn's got them finally cracking into the top half. So Glenn, tell us about the Atlanta Hilltoppers. Um, so dude, so Atlanta, well, you know, I'm famous for saying I love Atlanta. And dude, I, well, maybe I'm not famous for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not famous for that. But I mean, that that's like, you know, like there's a reason why there's a reason why I call that out. I mean, the guys got so many things to recommend this team, but, but, you know, he, he is beset by injuries. So, okay. So maybe I should start over. Sorry. So let's take it from the top. Sorry. Maybe you can edit that shit out. Cause I, you know, I got flustered. I was actually thought we were talking about. Okay. 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 So, all right, here okay, we go. So, Atlanta. So your setup isn't like, yeah. Okay. There you go. So, dude, so Atlanta, so I have them in the middle, like kind of the bottom, you're eighth, right? So I've got them like eight, nine tie or tie for eighth. Their pitching is top half. Their lineup is bottom half and their defense is bottom half. So, so what makes them, like you just said, they're a playoff contender, right? What makes them a playoff contender? Well, I think their rotation is, is pretty good. Again, it's not one of the best ones. But Scott is legitimate. Uh, Fernando is on the come. So when he's fully cooked, he's going to be one of the best starters in the league. But right now he's, he's only, and I say with air quotes, he's only a 20. 20 is a good starter, right? But, but he's, he should improve. He's going to improve over the course of the season. 
The thing is, the guy, because of injuries, you know, of course he has Matt Lack. Awesome, right? When Matt Lack is healthy, he is one of the best starters in the league. He's a dominant lefty SP. There just aren't that many of those. But Matt Lack has hurt a lot, and right now he's injured. So in Matt Lack's place, he's starting Bren Smith. Bren Smith in real life was pretty cool, but here he's like an undercooked guy that you hope you never have to start, basically. So so that kind of stinks. And then he has Clyde and Kirby, who have some things to recommend them. But again, from just a pure ratings count point of view, they only add 18 or 19, which, you know, it isn't great. But but they do have some other interesting characteristics, like, you know, nine control or nine movement. So, and his bullpen. So the other thing we should say is <clears throat> any game in which he's ahead, he's a favorite to win because he has you know, one of the best closers and one of the best setup men. So his bullpen is superb, even though his starters, as I say, past Scott and Fernando aren't very good. The thing about this team is last year, again, I talked him up a lot, right? I love Atlanta. The thing is Tony Gwynn missed like, you know, he only played 90 games. So wasn't he kicked, so, by, a, wasn't he kicked yeah, by a horse? Yeah, yeah, something like that, right? So dude, that's not ball. that's not his fault. You can't fault <laughs> the guy for getting kicked by a horse. That's just not. No, right. You can't. You you can't if you stood behind a horse. You both yeah. are standing behind the goddamn horse. Exactly. It's a bad set of life choices that put you in that position, bro. So, but the thing is, the guy only played ninety games. So, so give me a full season of Tony Gwynn. Who is Randy Bush? I don't even know who Randy Bush is, but apparently in that oh, park. What a great name, Alice. Yeah, he mashes. You love a Randy and Bush. Then, yeah. And then, I mean, I give you credit for that one, Lance. The thing is, you know, Porter, you know, Porter's the best catcher, right? Porter's the best catcher in the game because he has power and there's very few power hitting catchers. But this guy has Brian Harper, who is a superb. Who, I think he won the batting title. Yeah, he won the batting title on the I think the <laughs> last day, last at bat yeah. of the last inning of the last day. There you go. So the guy's got a batting champion catcher that is so powerful. And of course, he drafted Eric Davis. Eric Davis is injured now, but it's not nothing serious. So, so he has got Brian Harper and Eric Davis. He's going to have two of the best up the middle pieces in the game. And we, you know, we always talk about like, yeah, Mosby and how powerful that is. The Chicago always competes because he's got two dominant up the middle players. Well, arguably Harper and, and ED um, are going to be comparable to that. And so I just feel like this guy's team is going to be in it every single year. But just like we said with Washington, even though you can see the future destination, right? You can see where he's going to be. He's just not there now. So that's the reason why I've got him like, you know, eight, eighth or ninth, right? It's like, he, I just don't think he's there now. So I still love Atlanta, but but it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of like a slow burn relationship, you know? Boot, boot, boot. Alert, alert. It's the commissioner's annual worst cleanup hitter in the league. And it goes to Atlanta's Roy Howell. Longtime listeners will know every year in the preview issue, I <laughs> usually, usually it's like the, uh, it's a reverse kiss. Of, it's a kiss of life, let's call it. I always, I always call out a guy one year. It was Glenn Wilson. And then he had a monster year. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think last year it was Luis Aguayo. I'm going to call out Roy Howell this year, the second baseman for Atlanta. Uh, he had 16 home runs last year. Uh, he's only got five power. His OPS last year was 732. So that's pretty weak. Now, historically, he's got some OPSs over 
800. He did have 113 RBIs a couple years ago in St. Louis, but that's my call this year for the worst cleanup hitter in the league. Now back to you, Lance. And he's also uh, rated as wrecked. So, you know, he could easily go down for several weeks or months. Um, you know, so that actually might open up a, the number four spot for somebody who should be hitting cleanup. Who knows? Um, yeah, I'm not uh, necessarily as sold on this team as Glenn, although I, I basically this would be the team where I would swap Montreal. I mean, if you look at Glenn's ratings in Montreal and I to have the exact same number and I would basically swap their places in the finish. So I would have Atlanta being. Uh, a bottom half team in Montreal being a top eight team. Although it is one of my three teams with an up arrow, I do think they're they're on the come up. I think this is going to be a very good team uh, in a couple of years. But, I mean, you know, obviously Mike Scott is terrific at the top of the rotation. But, I mean, Fernando, well, he looks great, but he's you know, never really seen him prove himself out over a full season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The rest of the rotation seems very beatable. Um so, you know, again, but as Glenn mentioned, you know, that certainly the back end of the, of the pen looks very, very solid as well. But I mean, you may have to rely on them a lot uh, because I just don't think the bottom three in this rotation is particularly great. And uh, this is solid, very, very solid lineup. But, you know, there's no one at the, in the lineup where you go like, oh, no, I have to face that guy. I mean, Gwyn and Harper are both like super high contact guys, but not, not a ton of power. So I'm not like worrying a lot about them like you know, a couple of guys getting on on them, like walloping three run home runs every game. So, um, yeah, I think if, if the top two starting pitchers don't perform uh, up to their ratings or even a little above, maybe for Fernando, then I think this is not going to be a great season for Atlanta necessarily. I mean, not great in the sense of like playoff great, but um, definitely a team that is again on, on the come up, but I think still, finding itself not as a playoff contender quite yet. So I just want to point out uh, Atlanta's, they have the fifth rated farm system. Um, Glenn's already mentioned Eric Davis, obviously top tier, you know, top caliber hitting prospect. He's also got a couple of, he's got Sid Fernandez, who's the the fifth best uh, pitching prospect in the league. And I just want to put a shout out here for Zane Smith. I think that was a draft and trade kind of deal that he arranged, but Zane Smith was the something like the 36th overall pick, but he's his uh his his potential is 488. So this is a guy who could um, you know, he's quite a bit away from there from those ratings. But that was I thought that was a great uh a great trade to get Zane Smith. We should say one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think the guy's done a very good job. And as I said, just like with Washington, you can see where he's going and, and he's going to get there soon. <laughs> the problem that I foresee, like so it's like the issue here is if you look at my ratings, there's basically two like really good divisions and then two not very good divisions. And, and you know, the Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, you know, that, that division by my ratings is, is like awesome. But St. Louis... Havana, Atlanta, Washington, even though, I mean, today it's not as great as Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, mm-hmm. but, but like in yeah. two years, in two yeah, yeah, years, yeah. that, that could be four of the, you know, eight best teams in the entire league. Right. 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 So, um, so I feel like, you know, again, Atlanta dude, awesome. He's on the come. Everything looks good. <laughs> he's like he's maturing into the toughest possible division you know washington's going to arrive hopefully st louis has arrived havana lance always puts out a competitive team so dude this yeah anyway i don't know what the hell that yeah, was for yeah. oh just to say like our division's tough now or pretty tough now but it's going to be like electric basically yeah. all four teams are improving yeah 
could be the only division you can say that about. Okay, so the finance report card in Atlanta, uh, good news is they uh, they were dead last in profit um, in 82. They jumped up to sixth, which basically that's a move. They were 9 million, uh, 9 million lost to a 3 million uh, profit uh, in one year. So he cut his expenses by $13 million uh, and basically put out the exact same record. So kudos to Andy for get, getting a handle of the, of the finances. His cap is at 63. It's still a little low, but I think he stabilized it. So you could probably see that cap going up in the next couple of years. And the other thing I want to point out, as you mentioned, Matlack. Matlack is on an $11 million contract. This is basically for like a part-time guy, right? Um, basically paying the guy at a rate of like 22, $25 million a year based on the amount of playing time he plays. So he's on $11 million a year contract and he has a player option next year. So he, that's unfortunate. All right, let's move on to number seven. Our friend Eric Holdhouse's Manhattan Gray Sox. So Manhattan, very recently, of course, uh, four-year dynasty, 76 to 79. They were 11th in 82. They moved up to eighth last year. Second best pitching team, third worst uh, offensive team, which was a complete change of character for this perennially an offensive team. Uh, Eric's kind of completely reshaped this team, kind of made it a pitching and defense focus. So Glenn, take it away with Manhattan. Well, this is one of the most interesting cases. So so to your point, yeah, he, he has switched entirely from the mash, you know, two walks in a dong. He switched entirely powered by the C-Rob trade where he got the four first or the equivalent of four first round picks. He has basically refocused. And just as we said, Atlanta, Washington, you could see the trajectory. You can see what he's doing. He, he is entirely going for run suppression, so uh, extreme defense, right? And he's going for extreme contact. And so his lineup now has a lot of, you know, eight contact guys, and his best prospects are like nine and eight contact guys. And I, and I believe he's put a down payment on a new stadium and his new stadium is going to be more contact and suppressed power. So he's going all in like hundred percent on uh, run suppression. He's going to take away homers. He's not going to worry about hitting homers himself. And he's just going to go, you know, pure OBP. And, and we know that that can work. I mean, that is a proven formula that, that's worked in the past. So um, the thing that's interesting here is that he finished eighth last year. He was eighth. And that was four games back of the playoffs. And on the one hand, you think, well, is this team really better? I mean, he got sabotaged and or he gets, it took a lot of hits and expansion. But um, but he did add Rosema in the offseason. So he's added a legitimate 20-rated starter. And therefore, his starters are not great, but they're definitely solid. You assume Little goes back in as a starter, he's, he's like day to day now he's injured now, but again, you know, it's one of those things where it's like a minor injury. Now you figure he's going to contribute the whole season. Another thing we should say is that his bullpen, while it doesn't score very high, he, he basically drafted or, or he basically had a vase. He did a trade with LA and he had basically Peter draft like, you know, three straight relievers. So <laughs> he drafted three 20 or 21 rated relievers in the third round of the draft. And he also drafted my man Heskett. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. So I lost my, so what I was trying to say is he finished eighth last year, four games back, but I don't even think he was really trying 
to win last year, right? He was playing guys out of position, teaching guys new positions, right? So he wasn't even like really trying. I think like at some point, you know, early in the season he was in it and then like he kind of hit a losing streak and it's just like, oh, whatever, I'll just move guys around. And so, so now what happens if now he's like, oh, I'm in a new division. It's a winnable division and I'm going to go for it. And the other thing is back to this thing we talked about earlier, every other team in his division has problems. Every other team in his division is, is below him. So even though this guy, we have him, you know, eighth, right. Is that right? We had him seventh or eighth. Well, he's seventh or eighth, but no one else is, you know, everyone else is, is, is below him. So, so to me, it's like, he could win his division outright so unlike so i think i started by saying well it's like atlanta or it's like washington where you could see the future trajectory but the difference is here he can also win now and not only can you see the future trajectory of the team but with respect to winning now he's done things like add grieve so he's added power and he added mickey rivers which another high contact you know 10 defense center fielder so so unlike I compared him to Atlanta and Washington, but those teams are clearly on the come. Well, Manhattan's on the come, but he, I think, has got to be a very strong favorite to win his division now. So I, I think he's he's really, really got an interesting team, an interesting position. The one, the only negative I could honestly find in the whole thing is that he had a super prospect, Darren Dalton, was a six, seven, eight catching prospect, and he's been he's been downgraded. So, um, but other than that, it's like everything this guy touches to me is like, you know, turning to gold yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, I think that that covers a lot of what I would say about them. And you know, this is, for some reason, I'm never really ever in love with Manhattan's rotation, but they always seem to pitch better than I think that they should. And I, I don't know that this year necessarily will be any difference. I don't know of uh, getting, you know, adding Bob Sykes, if it really makes them any, I don't know if that guy's going to go into the rotation. I don't know if he takes Jim Merritt's spot at the bottom of the rotation. I'm not really sure where he's going to end up, but yeah, they just seem to, you know, uh, pitch better than I think that they should. Um, and again, you, Glenn mentioned the return of, of Lytle to the, to the bullpen, which will definitely help out what looks like, to, you know, what looks to be a pretty solid bullpen. And again, the, the lineup, you know, pretty much one through, Six looks very good. I mean, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see who ends up starting, getting the bulk of the starts at, at first base. I mean, he still has Joe Torre, who still has some ability. You know, but he did get, um, did get Keith Hernandez and the, the you know the swap that uh, landed me uh, Chambliss. So you know, I, there's a spot for him to, to to be you know added into the lineup. I don't think he's not going to provide as much power as Chambliss would have, but. You know, again, as Glenn said, if he's looking more for sort of contact and OBP, then, you know, maybe, you know, Hernandez is the right kind of guy for, for that. You know, the bottom two in that in that lineup with uh, Jim Asayan, uh, Jim or Ed Jemisian, whatever, how do you pronounce that? Asayan and then Cal Ripken Jr. Obviously, two guys that don't look like they can hit for crap, but I don't think that's – they're not in the lineup for that. They're in their, obviously in the lineup for their defensive abilities. So, yeah, I don't see this – being a team that has a lot of holes. And I, I, I agree with Glenn wholeheartedly. I think this is probably a seventh or eighth place team that is going to be in the playoffs because they have, you know, yeah. the best chance to win their division versus teams that we've already said are below them. So. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that accounts for this kind of, this is a kind of a um, schizophrenic team. Cause you know, it looked like he was going for a total youth movement rebuild and then you look at the two big signings, Tom Grieve and Mickey Rivers, who uh, another, you know, two more 
two another two guys who add up to 70 years old, right? Uh, they're both 35 and 34 years old. But not only that, but Grieve uh, is coming off a negative war year. Eric's really counting on him to hit well. Obviously, he, he hit he hit close to 50 home runs for three years in a row, but that was back, you know, when he was quite a bit younger. Um, and then of course we all know Mickey Rivers um, injury history, uh, 37 games last year, uh, 64 the year before, 46 before that. And he's got 10 million a year locked up on those two guys, Grieve and Rivers for the next few years. So that's a big investment, but I think he's, he made, I think he made the sudden switch. He's like, okay, it's now it's win now because he's, he's looking at the Atlantic division and he's got a really good chance. Like you said, he could come, come in seventh, eighth overall. All he has to do is finish ahead of, uh, of uh, Montreal, Boston, and Brooklyn. And he's, and he's in the playoffs. And then anything can happen. I will say on the finance side, this team has been uh, in red ink for the last four years. For, for years, this was a financial powerhouse. They were always way above the, uh, the, the payroll max. But the last few years, uh, last year, they lost 10 million. The year before that, they lost 4 million. I will also note he's got 36 million of payroll tied up in long-term. That's the third most. Uh, and the team has, a, the cap is only, uh, what is it, 60, 68 this year? Um, it's the lowest cap the team has had in about 10 years. So, um, and not only that, but he's got the, the stadium. So he's going to be making uh, payments on the stadium. So, Manhattan is, uh, I think he's got a window here of like trying to win this year. And then, um, and then it's really going to be kind of belt tightening after that. Number six, according to the rankings is the Havana Leones. Glenn, what do you got on Havana? What's interesting. So Havana, I mean, come on, Lance is here to win. Right. So what, from a ratings point of view, he is put together like overnight what i'm going to call the most middle right the most middle i think he ranks seven eight nine defense lineup pitching or or maybe it's defense pitching lineup uh, so you know <laughs> the 14 team league if, or 16 team league of eight is the middle so so that so he's he's the most balanced so back to this thing about what's the most balanced that's, team that, that that's good up. though right isn't that like that's, yeah that's worked for montreal yes, that's worked yes. for boston because yes. it, i mean the theory is if you're good at if you're at least good not not great yep. but good that's right at three or four different areas then you can slump in one area and still be in the mix right yeah that's right so he's strong he's not great but he's strong in every dimension the only thing that actually um, I color code some of these things for the top and the bottom and, and kind of to prove that he's the most middle where there's like almost no color for Havana, except for spine defense, uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically of a Lance team, the spine defense isn't great, but, but I feel like that's a sort of pragmatic compromise because you've got guys like, you know, uh, garage Doran, who is, you know, a, a really good second base prospect, but his defense is only a six. He has Jack Clark, who by my estimation, a 20 rated shortstop. He's one of, by my estimation, he's one of the very best shortstops in the league, even though he only adds or has a six defense, right? Uh, Fisk or Hassey, Hassey's injured right now, but let's assume Hassey's in there and, you know, Hassey's a whatever six or seven catcher. And then you have Mookie in center, who's who's just a seven, right? So, so by Lance terms, the spine defense isn't as good as usual, but but the all over defense, as I said, is is seventh, right? So, so the guys on the corners like Pendleton is superb. Sixto is, is a great defensive player, right, for his position. Chambles as well. So, 
So, um, and I think every starter adds to 20, right? Until we get to like Baron Garrett, who's like a 17. So, so it's a very strong team. Um, it's not, like I say, you know, it's not um, the strongest in any one dimension, but it's like super solid all around. And that's a remarkable, frankly, achievement for an expansion team. <laughs> you know, how you pulled that off, bro, is uh, I guess it's just a testament to your deal-making abilities. I mean, I, I don't think we win the division, um, but I think that, you know, I think we finish second. And I do, I, I have myself, I mean, I always rate myself highly. So I mean, it's, I, I have myself finishing in uh, the top six, making the playoffs, you know, being one of the teams that sort of squeaks in there in the, in the, in the two sort of uh, wild card spots. I mean, I do think that the team is, yeah, I mean, Glenn pretty covered, you know, covered it pretty well. I mean, I think the rotation, there's no superstar, there's no particular ace, but I think it's, you know, pretty solid you know, one through four and, you know, the, the, the deal that moved Sykes out of there, you know, meant uh, sort of pragmatically moving Barragher into the four spot, but I'm into the five spot, but I mean, there are other possibilities to take, you know, that role if something were to happen. Um, You know, if there's one sort of question mark, as far as pitching goes, it's like, there's a lot of guys in the bullpen who haven't really proved themselves who may have pitched, pitched one season or may, you know, be, uh, rookie selection so there's you know there's a lot of questions to be answered there but I mean I mean I'm thrilled like w- with with you know the looks of like a guy like Gene Nelson when I got him I think you know he was a 666 uh, rated and he immediately got bumped up in all three of those ratings to a 777 so he went from being an 18 uh, uh, reliever to a 21 reliever you know immediately you know assuming the closer role and but if that doesn't go great I mean I think there were guys who can take over for there, you know, I mean, Wes Gardner, who I got out of the draft could basically, you know, maybe take over that role. I mean, originally when I got Tom Seaver, the idea was to make him my closer, but I think right now he's more useful in the rotation. So, um, and then the lineup, I think again, so, I mean, you know, obviously getting six was a big, big deal. I mean, it made, you know, put a huge threat in the lineup and, but I still felt like a, a, there needed to be another threat. So I was able to, to make the deal and get Chambliss through just not, not nothing against Keith Hernandez, but I just wanted to add more power to the lineup. And, you know, with Chambliss, I was able to do that. Again, I had the same issue. I had the same potential issue that uh, Toronto does, which is my two middle of the lineup, you know, Thumpers and Lascano and Chambliss are both wrecked. Jack Clark was my best option at shortstop coming out of the expansion draft. And so, you know, he's not a great shortstop. He's much better at other positions, but I don't really have a lot of other options. So like he was, you know, he was the the sort of uh, odds on pick for me, you know, in that position. And I'm going to just hope that his glove is good enough to get by. So uh, yeah, I think the team is just all around solid. And then again, I think, adding six to and Chambliss turned that offense into an offense that I think could compete with, with anybody, honestly, you know, on a good day. So it's funny you mentioned six to and Chambliss. So on the finance note, obviously not a lot to talk about here with the expansion team, $50 million um, payroll the first year, um, presumably going up to 55 next year. Uh, the, my only comment here was you only have two players. Uh, you have Bill Butler at 3.1 million, only two players, at more than 3.1. And it's the two you just mentioned, Sixto, Lescano, and Chris Chambliss. And they add up to close to 10 million. But the thing I want to note here is there's, those are both signed to 1987. So you've got a um, uh, big investment there on those on those two guys. So, which of course comes with the risk of, you know, an injuries or downgrades, and then you're stuck with these guys on five-year contracts. That's my only real finance note there. 
All right, let's move on. Number five, Lance's former team, the Chicago Colts. Last year they finished seventh. Seven, Last seven, year they seven. finished seventh <laughs> overall. Yeah, they were seventh only, runs, seven runs allowed, dude. Yeah, yeah seven, seven, seven. Um, yeah. Only three games out of the playoffs, and again, I think uh, much like Manhattan, I don't think Chicago was necessarily expecting to compete as much as they did. Colts are under a new GM. Glenn, take it away with Chicago. Well, um, so first we should say the new Chicago GM, every time I talk to that guy, he just validates that he (laughs) knows what he's doing and he's a force to be reckoned with. And then if you look at the moves he's made, that mean, that just further validates it. We're talking about the number seven pitching team last year, right? And and one of the reasons why it's number seven pitching team is like you play in a, in a very, uh, you know, it's a pitching park and you have one of a, a superb defensive team up the middle and on the corner. So, so, so you got a solid, uh, you have a solid defensive foundation and a pitching park. Well, so then he adds Rogers and Gubaza. That's two like you know, very and good let's, talk, let's talk about Chicago's uh, free agency. Is it like the, I think the very, <laughs> the very first, very yeah. the first two moves that Steve yeah. made as the yeah. GM of Chicago is signing Pasquale Perez, who I felt was, if not the best starting pitcher in uh, in free agency, it was the best value. Yeah, yeah, young guy. Um, and then, yeah. and then he, and then he got Terry Forster. So yes. he got who, who was by far the best reliever. So literally, the first two things he touched: Pascual Perez and Terry Forster. I saw that, and I was like, "Damn, this is, you know, this yeah. is going to be a team to, to look out." <laughs> yeah, for. he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, he knows what he's doing. So, so there you go. I mean, so, so, so you you take like so all of a sudden he has like a lights out closer. All of a sudden he has a very strong staff. So like if I look at um, where he ranks in the stack. He has the, by my count, the fifth best pitching. His lineup is a little bit lower; it's in the middle, but um, but his defense is also fifth best. So, so that I mean, there you go, right? It's it's very strong uh, pitching and defense. And then with respect to things like OBP, it's not great, but I mean, he has Reigns at the top of the order. Ray's an eight contact. You still got Young know, and Mosby. After that, it you know goes down a little bit. Gaetti, I think, has been downgraded some. Dawson's been downgraded some. So the back end isn't um, as ex, you know it's not great. But um, but again, I don't think he's really looking to like. He's not really trying to outscore you. He, he's basically trying to outpitch you. Um, yeah. But it's just a very very solid team all around. And as I say, by you know by ratings totals. The guy's just, and he's done a phenomenal job and he's just added quality all over. Yeah. The, the issue, I was going to say, the yeah. only issue I see is that he's playing in arguably the toughest division, right? So I don't think you're going to be able to overcome Detroit. Your challenge is like, well, can I finish in those two, you know, wild card spots? Right, right. So I think Glenn hit on it. I mean, I think Steve, since taking over the team, has done an absolutely fantastic job making, strengthening, you know, the rotation, strengthening the bullpen. I mean, the lineup was pretty darn good to begin with. I think he still needs, you know, to find a better, you know, maybe better option at first base, but, you know, the, which he could probably swing a deal and get, you know, get, make his first base a little bit better. I mean, he's got Onaveris there, but I mean, I don't know. See, Onaveris is totally fine, but also a guy who's been wrecked for a lot of years. So if he gets hurt, I don't know if he's got a lot of first base depth, but, you know, he can easily swing a deal to do that. And, you know, and he's, he's super, again, we talked about spine defense. I mean, you know, super solid up the middle, um, you know, sort of built that way. 
Um, I honestly think this is the top three team. I mean, I think this behind LA and Detroit, I think this is probably the third best team in the league. He's just done an, a phenomenal job. You know, I think this is going to be just really just a, a team to, to contend with. But again, yeah, he's in that division with Detroit. So that's not, yeah. that's going to be a tough and, one and, to overcome. And Cleveland, which we haven't talked about yet. But right, right, Cleveland. Um, um, but yeah, I, I think I think this is to me, this is a, this is top three team. So on the, awesome. so on the, on the finances side, and this of course, uh, largely is, uh, you know, it's obviously with Lance's team last year, but, uh, and I know this was the focus you mentioned this last year that the focus was kind of like getting the team's finances sorted out, but just want to note here, um, they, this team went from uh, third worst in profitability. They lost 12 million the year before to last year, they were the second most profitable team. And it's all come down to the, um, Expenses, you sliced the expenses by 14 million from 74 to 60, and yet the team improved by five by five games. So um, as a result, I have Chicago as one of the three teams that's on a positive uh, financial trajectory. I will jump in here. This is where I have, I, I, if we're talking about um, long-term financial risk, Chicago has by far the greatest exposure on one player, and that is the Robin Yount contract at night, just under 10 million through 88 plus a uh, plus a player option year. So they they've got 59 million tied up in Yount. So that's by far the most exposure on a single player. There's a reason for that. He's clearly one of the top players. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't. He would take no less than that. I tried as hard as I could to get him to take less, and it's like, so what do you do? Do you pay Robin Yount basically ten million a year, ten million dollars a year, or do you let him go? And it's like, yeah, you pay Robin Yount ten million dollars a year. Yeah, so. you let him go, and you pay him twelve or thirteen, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, for for two years or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we'll move on to number four. Number four on the list is the Cleveland Barons. Um, Cleveland last year, so this is Charlie Qualls' team. They've gone from tenth to seventh to fifth. Missed the playoffs by just two games last year. Um, huge, in, huge uh, improvement in offense. They were fifth in runs scored. It's the first time they've been in the top five since 1965. Um, add that to um, traditionally pretty strong pitching staff. They were fifth. They were sixth in pitching. So, Glenn, you got them at number four this year. So, continuing the upswing. So, uh, tell us about the Cleveland Barons. So, this one, I mean, come on. You know, Charlie's doing everything he can to compete now. And I think it is paying off. He, he had to sacrifice um, Dave Parker um, on the altar of, uh, you know, salary cap troubles. And, and that does have a negative effect. So we shouldn't um, just, you know, discount that. Having said that, though, Outfield, you know, corner outfield is like one of the easiest positions to fill. And number one and number two, he has made like one of the most interesting acquisitions of the offseason is signing of Gorman Thomas. The thing is, last year you talked about his offensive improvement, and we discussed this at length in the prior uh, season's preview. He has by far the most contact-oriented team that's just looking at contact and avoid K his total is like staggering last year, <laughs> but this year he's not the top contact team. And it's almost entirely down to Gorman Thomas. If you just counted his first seven guys, man for man, he's a superb contact team and he's going to score again. But what do you do with Gorman Thomas? Well, the appeal obviously is, is the home run power. Uh, he had 35 and 36 homers. He had the last two years. 
So, um, and he did that playing in Montreal, which I have as a very home or unfriendly stadium. So this guy clearly can hit jacks. Um, you know, Cleveland also is a um, surprises dong. So I don't know how, how Thomas is going to work out, frankly, but all the rest of the lineup is just, it's the same guys. We're gold gloves and all we do is put the ball in play. He has attempted to fix his lineup a little bit. Which, so I think that's also an improvement. You know, in the past, he would put Ozzy Smith like one or two. Um, but Ozzy, you know, just ratings wise, uh, isn't quite as good as even like Dave Collins. And people like to take a dump on Dave Collins, but he's fractionally better than Ozzy with respect to OBP and power. So, so it makes sense to bat him higher. So, so I think he's doing all the right things to compete now. Again, he's had to pay the price by sacrificing his 86 picks and he's punted Parker. And I don't think we should, you know, that's not nothing, right? You can't lose Dave Parker and be like, ah, who cares, you know? But um, but as I say, he he has serviceable replacements. He's still superb with respect to contact through the first seven guys. Um, stepping back and looking at his pitching, well, you would say, well, has his pitching improved? His pitching actually is better because he added this 21-rated starter that I told Lance before. I was like, who is Dick Ruthven? I mean, cool first name, but I don't know. Who is that? I've never heard of this guy before. He's a 21-rated starter. Well, he acquired him at the deadline last year, so he didn't have this guy for the majority of the season. Now he's going to have him for a full season. And then, you know, can Goose do what he did last year? You know, oh, you know, maybe not, probably not, right? But but does he need to be that kind of goose to be just as good? Kingman's a 19, Griffin, you know, guys with super low control, like I cannot tolerate those guys. But Griffin was, you know, reasonably effective. Goose Gossage is not a fry slave, and he, he did have a freakish right. year last year, 1.95. He won the ERA title, 15 and 3. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, he, he's had ERAs under three a couple times before that. Um, yeah. Just, uh, you know, solid three, three and a half, four war seasons. So, yeah, the ratings are electric, right? I mean, that is real. Like, it's now or never. He has the second oldest team and he has the worst farm out of all 16 teams. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think Glenn hit on a lot of it. I think that um, the if there's a weakness here, it's maybe the bottom half of the rotation. I mean, he's putting a lot of. Uh, a lot of weight on Griffin and Roden to perform well. And I mean, otherwise, I mean, it's, it just, it's just the solid team top to bottom. I mean, it's, you know, back into the bullpen is solid with De Leon and Diaz, you know, again, uh, getting rid you know, getting rid of Dave Parker doesn't help, but I mean, again, top to bottom, a really good looking uh, offense in general. And as always, Charlie Fields, an incredibly good defensive team. So I think, you know, this, this team's finish, if it's if it's gonna make the top six and make the playoffs, it's I think it's gonna come down to those three, four, five starters. If those guys can perform up to par, then I think he's got a, a solid chance of making the playoffs. But if they don't, and it's it's putting a lot of weight on them to do it, then I think you know uh, uh, Charlie could finish just you know uh, bridesmaid again, just on the outside looking in once more. Finances know the team did turn a profit last year of two million. It was the first time in four years that they turn a profit. The cap has been um, declining though. So again, there's another reason that it's like now or never because this is a team that's on the he's kind of on the brink of the financial distress. I think he's at minus six million cash 
he has kept his payroll down. It's only 60 million. He's a 10th in payroll. So that's good. And again, largely that was, you know, driven by the, by the cap requirements, but um, which forced the, the Dave Parker deal. But yeah, I mean, he, he's been trading away draft picks for a year. I don't remember last time Cleveland had a, you know, a first or second round pick. One thing that really hurt him, and I think this even surprised Charlie, heavily using that variable contracts thing. Last year, literally, when I was doing the, uh, updating the salaries, it felt like a third of his team was getting really significant pay raises. So he's got Gossage, uh, Lance Parrish, Ozzie Smith, and Dave Steve all on variable contracts. So so those is, that's going to add one or two million a year every year. It's just going to go up. So it's kind of like he's building in inflation into his payroll, which is uh, another constraint that's going to end up biting him in, in the next couple of years. All right, let's move on. Number three, St. Louis Maroons playoff team last year, just squeezed into the playoffs in the final week. This is Glenn's, what, third year at the helm? So they've gone from 13th to 13th to third. So a big 10 spot jump last year, 23 more wins, big leap. Um, and then according to the ratings, they're coming in third again. So Glenn, tell us about your St. Louis Maroons. So last year, as you said, so I finished third, but I was third in runs scored, but 10th in runs allowed. So my focus in the off season was to improve pitching. And I felt like the single best way to do that is to improve my team defense because, um, uh, as we've discussed, I think, you know, elsewhere, I'm fine with sacrificing gloves to get extra offense. And so last year I played Tony Phillips at shortstop the entire year. I, I think he's uh, among the very best offensive shortstops, but he's clearly, he's a six, right. At, uh, at the position. So, so, and he had negative zone rating there. So that, that clearly hurt. So, um, so my off season, I added Burleson to improve up the middle defense and I also added um, Matt Young as a lefty starter. And I moved Hoffman, who was my one of my setup guys, into the rotation. So I basically remade my rotation. Oh, maybe the biggest <laughs> addition by subtraction, I got rid of Eddie Solomon. Eddie Solomon was like pouring gas on fire like every time he, he, he pitched. And so half the year last year, I used a four-man rotation just to not use him, right? And because I had so few viable starters. But now I feel like Figs, Hoffman, Schuler, Young, Lasky, that's a legitimate, you know, that's a legitimate UL rotation. That's a competitive rotation. And that allows me to keep Schmidt, and, and Icorn, who I think are two of the very best closer and setup guys in the game. And the rest of my bullpen is pretty good too. I, I protected all of these guys in expansion. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. I mean, it's debatable, but, um, but I believe very strongly in having a, a good bullpen. And so I, I felt like I invested my expansion effort there. Uh, with respect to the lineup, I actually have one of the highest rated or the highest rated lineups and it, but a lot of it is just down to again having a guy like Phillips. Now I'm uh, I'm using him at third, um, and uh, Porter like the highest rated catcher. And I've got like solid, not great, but solid guys everywhere else. So you know it's uh, I, I should score. So so sorry. The long story short is I should score. Hopefully my defense improves, which helps my pitching. And as I say. Um, adding Young and putting Hoffman in the rotation, I think all of a sudden I have five viable starters. 
And so hopefully that'll, that'll take me to the top of the division. I don't think it's an easy division at all. And certainly in one or two years, it's going to be friggin' brutal, but, um, but I hope I can, uh, you know, clear the hurdle this year. You got Gerald Porter's the number one ranked catcher. Tony Phillips is a third ranked shortstop. Yeah, yeah. And then you have uh, three other guys in the top five, Strawberry and Wright, Cromarty in center and Durham and first, all those guys are rated in top five. That's right. That's right. And so, yeah, Cromarty. So that's interesting, right? I, I sacrificed a ton of things to get him last year and I, played him in center last year but this kind of goes back to our montreal camp discussion for him to learn center field it was it was brutal and he never got higher than a four and if you look at i don't know if we could still see it here but but i can tell you that my month by month you know i was like 400 500 and then 600 600 and 600 or whatever right like in those first two months were the two months that i had cromarty unrated you know playing center field like learning the position so this goes back you know so you know anyway so but now he's a five so to me that's not great but that's viable and for a guy who adds to 19 yeah it's like forget it i'm doing that all day Uh, i mean i think you know I think Glenn made a pretty good case for himself. I mean, I think the rotation is super solid, you know, not certainly mind blowing by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, obviously Eddie Figgs has had some little bit of stumbles in recent years, but I mean, he's still a tremendously rated uh, starting pitcher. Um, I would argue this is maybe the best bullpen in the league. I mean, I think, you know, he, he mentioned uh, Icorn and uh, Dave Schmidt. I mean, there's also Mark Davis, who I, you know, was uh, lusting after last year, you know, trying to get him on Chicago. I mean, this guy is, his ratings are going up and up and up. He looks like to be an absolute stud in the bullpen, you know, Tacoba, who's getting old, but he's still got skills. I mean, this is just a great looking bullpen. So if, if the rotation does stumble, you know, he's got a lot of guys to fall back on to, 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 to prop, prop those starters up. And then again, I think just a, just a, you know, a, a great offense sort of uh, a tits to tail, you know, I think maybe the one, uh, you know, I mean, I don't even call it a weakness, but the one, you know, possible difficulty is that, you know, that two, three, six are all left-handed, you know, I don't think that's going to change much. And so, you know, if you can, if you can get a solid, uh, some solid lefty starters in your rotation, you might have an opportunity to battle those guys a little bit, man, maybe suppress some of that offense a little bit. And I guess maybe the only other sort of quote unquote weakness was, would be, you know, what, what Glenn brought up, which is that he improved his defense, but it still doesn't look like a particularly strong defensive team. And that could be problematic. I mean, there's a lot of guys who you would, you know, the label serviceable, you know, fits pretty well. So it's like, you know, for those really difficult plays, you know, maybe these guys aren't, don't make it and maybe that, you know, costs them a gain here and there. But I mean, I think that's something that this offense could probably make up for very easily. I think this is, this is clearly the division, uh, the division winner and the division that it's in right now in the golf division. So just to look at the finances, the cap is uh, highest it's been in four years. It, I think this team is really reaping the rewards. This, when, when Glenn took over in 81, he, sli- he almost cut expenses in half. They went from 59 to 36. And you remember that first year in 81, your expenses were 36. Yeah. It was bare bones. You were cutting in yeah. the bone, yeah. 36 million, yeah. but you turned a 13 million profit that year. And that's allowed yeah. you to have an expanding cap that, um, in subsequent years. Yeah. In terms of contract exposure, you've got 48 million tied up in Daryl Porter through 88. And that's yeah. not counting the team option year. So $48 million in one player. So that's, yeah. um, a, you know, a big potential 
risk there. But again, not only the best catcher in the league, I mentioned Danny Chartable earlier. I think Chartable's ratings were seven, seven, eight, seven, or something like that. When yeah, I did a right, search yeah. on current players of who's seven, who has a seven in all four, only one guy came up and it was Daryl Porter. So um, if you're going to pay a guy 58 million, 48 million, uh, makes sense at a premium position, no less. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the top two. This will be no surprise. I think a top two has not changed for a few years. Um, That's right. Yeah. But something that is interesting is that the order of these two teams has changed in the last 24 hours yep. Uh, yep. Since, since that last trade. We now have Detroit at number two. Detroit won the World yep. Series last year, finally, after winning the pennant the pre- previous two years and getting knocked out in the playoffs. So let's talk about, and there's not a lot to say about either of these teams. These are clearly the two dominant teams. Detroit was number one in runs and number three in pitching. One thing he did was, yeah, he, he did move at Neil Allen from the pen into the starting rotation, and he is really superb. So his, you know, before the Russell trade, Detroit had the highest rated pitchers, the highest starters, and the highest well, he had the highest starters, the highest relievers, and the highest, so therefore the highest pitching. You know, LA has jumped past him with SPs, but but I mean, so you know, the guy is superb. He's one of the top two. But not only that, but he's the number two lineup and he's the number one OBP team. And this is odd, right? So here's what's interesting. He's not quite the top power team, but he's a, he's he has very good power. He's towards the top in power. He he actually is the number one contact team as well. So he can put the ball in play. He can get on base. And then when he's on base, he hits jacks like no other team. And, and as I said, he is among the very best pitching teams. His defense isn't quite as good as it used to be. It used to be, he was an elite defensive team. His up the middle still is very strong. Well, actually, sorry. His up the middle isn't very as strong as it used to be because he now is playing a, a Rudy law in center who is just a six, right? And also um, downing or wet. Oh, what's an eight? So that, that's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's it. So he's downgraded his center field a little bit. So his defense is downgraded a little bit, but every other dimension, as I said, he's, he's either the best or, you know, like second best, like in every dimension. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's pretty uh, good. I think that's yeah. Cla- Claudel Washington, who used to be close to a 300 hitter, has hit, yes. um, is that OBP's under 300 in the last two years? So yeah, there you he's go. A seven, and he, and you know he's not. It's not like he's a ten, right? So if you got, if he's only a seven in center field, and your OBP is uh, under 300, then he's really kind of relegated to a bench role. Yeah, I mean, I don't what I don't really know what to add to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's I don't know if he I feel like he I don't know if he had Bill Castro in his as his closer last year, or if he moved him into that role i mean there i mean there could be an issue there bill castro hasn't had the greatest last couple of seasons he's kind of stumbled a bit and i mean you know sean's actually put him on the market you know a couple of times and tried to get rid of him and now he's using him as his closer so there might be something there but i mean yeah. honestly, no the, the closer last year was neil allen he had 30 34 right. 34 saves. yes yeah and then you put, put put that arm in the rotation so that's that that can't hurt i mean i think i mean honestly this feels like a team that you could put on cruise control i mean you know 
Sean's life could completely implode and he could just like put this team out there and they would like be a top two team. I that's mean, what happened just, last year. That's ex- literally <laughs> what happened last year. Exactly. Like, I think was, could... like this was on kind of cruise control for most of the year. And then Sean, like he, he kind of re-engaged in September, like, Oh, Hey, I just won, you know, 90. He had that slump at the end. He, he, he was clearly heading towards a hundred win season. And then I think he was like, I don't know, five and 10 at the finish and finished with what 97 wins just short of 100 but, but yeah still. i mean that this i mean i feel like he could do the same thing same 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 thing that could happen to him and this team would be top two team easy so i mean yeah you know, it's just it's just a monster team all around yep and uh, even though he is arguably in the toughest division at lakes division because we just mentioned cleveland and chicago four and five yeah. so um but i still think even though this is that's you know we have three of the top five teams in this division detroit is so good they're head and shoulders above yeah. everyone else it's yeah. it's it's really Chicago and Cleveland, you know, fighting over the leftovers. And can we add now what's odd, at least no, I don't know, maybe this has changed, but when I looked at it, he had the number 15 rated farm, which I find odd because I really believe he had like one of the best drafts that there was. I mean, he in terms of value, right? You got Jimmy Key at the end of the first round. I mean, Jimmy Key would be like uh, you know. <laughs> He's approaching. He's not fully cooked yet, but I mean, he would be a starter, fully cooked. He's a starter on like you know almost every team in the league, and and then he took one of my like guys. I was really jonesing for, or I I had planned to take at twenty five, but then I I zigged instead of zagging. He took you know he has Ken Howell, who's fully cooked and can start right, and has three good pitches. And then he got you know every other guy after that, even like you know, third, fourth round picks were like you know, guys who look like actual viable players. I mean, so I thought his draft was just excellent. So he has good young guys too. He's all in win now, just like LA, yep. just, just like Cleveland. So it's going to be really interesting. They have the most money tied up in long-term contract. He's got 41 million tied up in long-term. And of that 33 million is tied up through 87 and, and beyond. For a guy who has says that he's afraid of long-term contracts, He's got Bill Parsons, four million a year to eighty-six. He's got Ricky Henderson, Pastore, and Neil Allen adding up to twelve million. That's through nineteen eighty-nine. Uh, Alan Trammell, Glenn Hubbard, and Rudy Law. Eight. That's nine million tied up through eighty-eight. He's got a core of maybe the, the most solid core of position players in the whole league, and he's got most of them locked up. So if they stay healthy and they stay productive, we're talking about you know literally a, a, a dynasty team. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, he fully admitted that the sort of active shopping Ricky this offseason was an attempt of trying to get ahead of what might be financial problems in the future because of the Ricky's long-term high-dollar contract. It didn't, ultimately, he settled on keeping him, you know, or, you know, maybe I screwed that up for him by uh, getting in on the 6-0 thing. But, I mean, I mean, getting 6-0 wouldn't have made that much of a difference sort of financially either. I mean, it was pretty similar yeah. long-term high dollar contract. So he wasn't money, maybe not going to save that much money, but, but yeah. So, I mean, he's obviously looking at those finances to some degree and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, next off season, regardless of the result that he has, that he probably tries to shop one of those high dollar contracts again. Which is a good segue for our number one team, Los Angeles Outlaws. Again, like Detroit, consistent playoff team. So they won the pennant the last two years and they finished. That's right. They lost in 81. They lost the pennant on the last day to Seattle, but then they ended up winning the World Series. So they they have made the playoffs three years in a row, 92, 92, 93 wins. Top pitching team. Not only were they the top pitching team last year, I think they were the second best pitching team 
in league history, but their offense took a big drop from second to 10th. Not that it mattered because he still won, won the division, but, uh, but Glenn offense looked better than 10th coming into this year. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely does. Number one and number two, and I think we've established, or at least by our, or by my estimations, by the ratings count that he's playing in arguably the weakest division. So, I mean, he's, he's got it locked up. So he's not really looking at, you know, his benchmark isn't, I need to win the division. His benchmark is I need to be better than Detroit. Right. So, so that's how you, you get to, and also we just said Detroit's going to be good for a long time. So, so Vase is trying to compete on that same horizon against that same team. So, so you see him do things like, you know, constantly trying to get younger, constantly trying to upgrade his guys, you know, and, uh, and, and he's done that very well. So um, you asked about the lineup. So, so it's funny, we talked about the Russell trade earlier, but <laughs> you didn't mention the fact that you also traded him, or maybe we did, I don't remember, Daryl Evans, who happens to be, you know, a, a 20 rated gold glove caliber <laughs> third baseman. So you upgraded his, like one of his deficient positions um, has been massively upgraded. His pitching is number one. It was number one before acquiring Russell. So consider that. And his lineup, I have him with, tied with uh, Detroit as the second best lineup. So tied for second. Um, so yeah, so he's added the raking third base and then the Otis for grieve ratings wise, that doesn't do anything for me, but that does help his, his defense. And, and speaking of that, you know, this might be a shocker to some people. At least it was a surprise to me. He has the third best defensive team. So, um, and that goes back to, I think a move he made maybe two years ago uh, to get, you know, to get Royster. And so now he's added Otis, he's added Evan. So he's adding like gold glove guys on the corners too. So, you know, I mean, the guy, like, as I say, you're talking about the number one pitching team, the number two lineup and the number three defense. I mean, this guy, you know, he's the best of the best. And then when he needs to, you know, uh, MCA took a downgrade, uh, Martin took a downgrade. He's like, nah, that's fine. I'll go get Russell. So, so he's able to do whatever it is he needs to do. His bullpen is also superb. Lee Smith isn't fully cooked yet. So he's 21 now, 22 is his ceiling. But um, but his setup guy is Gary Lucas. Gary Lucas and Forster were like the best bullpen in the league for, for years. So he has the best setup guy in the league. So, yeah. So, I mean, again, what, what can you say? The guy's team is, he is like elite, elite at every in every dimension. And we should mention here, like the, I think the main motivation for, for getting Russell was like, he, he's, he has no worries about uh, making the playoffs. So, right. His focus is uh, winning short series and in particular beating Detroit in a short series. So for him, I think it was having a Durker, Russell, Martin, uh, Stuper rotation um, in particular, the top two, the Durker, Russell, two stud aces. The difference is that, uh, Russell isn't necessarily the Iron Man that Fritz Peterson was. So if there's any risk here, it's that um, uh, Russell is, is showing up as fragile. Uh, he only had 27 starts last year. Uh, he missed a half a season a few years back. So 33 years old, there's some in injury risk there. But he's got, again, he's always got so much pitching depth. And again, it's, it's another Midas touch situation. If he could lose a Durker or Russell, he brings in some guy, you've never heard of and he turns in a you know a nine and two season with a 2.5 era like bottomless well of of pitching talent yeah i mean he's got the best pitcher certainly the best old pitcher in the league in larry durker you know i mean we'll see how 
Scott Gooden and Clemens play a pitch out this season. But I mean, yeah, he adds a rush goal to that. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen, the offense, you know, I mean, like the one thing the one thing I wrote down was like, where's Wally? Like, where's Wally go now? You know what I mean? Like he gets, you know, you get an eight contact guy, you get the push to the bench. Oh, how horrible that must yeah. be. Yeah. You know, so yeah, this again is another team that was looking to be a top two repeat for sure. I mean, I don't really see where the holes are here, except of course he's already fully admitted that he's totally screwed up his, he thinks his finances going forward, you know, with all these sort of contracts and stuff. So that, that might, you know, hamstring him in, in the near future, but uh, that might be something for the commission to talk about. This team, uh, they had their first loss in 12 years. This is like another team like Manhattan. This has just been a perennial uh, profit-making machine. They had their first loss in 12 years last year. Granted, it was just barely 0.2 million, but it was a negative number. Um, and they've got, again, just like Detroit, they've got 40 mil, they've got almost exactly, you'd say about 40 million tied up in long-term contracts, including 33 million through um, 1987. And he's got two, not one, but two guys in the top five in terms of you know, money on the table. He's got Russell is 48 million period, no matter what happens. And the Eddie Murray is number five on that list at 29 million. So he's got 77 million locked up on two guys. Contracts are this high for a reason. I'm just saying that's that there's risk involved there. If, if there's an injury or downgrades or something like that, that's money that's committed. It's on the books that they have to pay. All right. So let's wrap up with, um, let's do some playoff picks here. I think We'll start with the division winners. It's kind of pretty straightforward. Pacific, LA, Lakes division is Detroit. In the Gulf, I think we have St. Louis finishing ahead of Havana. So they get the division. And that leaves that Atlantic. And according to the ratings, that's Manhattan finishing yeah. ahead of Montreal. So Manhattan, uh, even though they're seventh overall by ratings, will get one of the top four seeds by virtue of winning their division. I think so, yeah. So where does that leave the wild card race? That leaves, by ratings anyway, Cleveland, yeah. Chicago. And remember, it's the top two of anyone else. So they can be, you could have three teams coming out of uh, the same division. So the wild card, Cleveland, Chicago, Havana, Atlanta, Montreal. Those are kind of like the five teams by ratings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lance, I assume you go Chicago Havana, right? I do. Yeah, Chicago Havana. I think I think Chicago is uh, honestly the third best team in the league overall. But it, it's, they're not going to win their division. But I think they're going to yeah. be super competitive. So yeah, I go Chicago and Havana, leaving uh, Charlie again on on the outside looking in. Just yeah, once true. again, like yeah. you know, yeah. making Charlie a bridesmaid, which is yeah. you know just apparently my life's goal. I've seen him in a dress. He, he looks good. He's yeah. good. He's got a good figure. It's not bad. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. What about you, so, Glenn? I'd yeah, like, if you're going by your ratings, you got to go Cleveland, Chicago. Yeah, right? I do. Say. I mean, I, I feel like Charlie. I mean, I feel so bad for Charlie. I feel like Charlie's got to do it now or never, right? It's like it's this is his single best chance, I think. So, but I do think Chicago is extremely good, and also there's kind of a scrum, right? I mean, the difference between uh, Chicago, well. Actually, yeah, right. You know, you're right, right. By ratings, I think there is separation between Cleveland, Chicago, and everybody else. But there is a bit of a scrum. Havana, Manhattan, Atlanta, Montreal, those guys are all very tight, right? And that, and I'm discounting Seattle, who made the playoffs last year. And I'm discounting yeah, yeah. Brooklyn, who 
came very close to making it last right. year. Right. Well, the other so, thing we should note that even by your ratings, they, like these teams, like four, like five through ten, are all very, very close. Right. So very it tight. Come down to like a really if yes. a pitcher gets really hot, yeah. uh, or a team slumps or something like that. Um, yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. So one thing we should say is, so number one, it's a crude measure. I rate everything the same, right? Number one. And number two, it's just a snapshot. I'm taking a snapshot of opening day and I'm trying, we're trying to basically like interpret a movie from a still photo. Right, right. You know, that's So I'm going to jump in here and make a dark horse prediction. I'm going to say Montreal, because the ratings are so close, even though Montreal's nine and we have them second in that division. I'm going to say Montreal because they are in kind of that weak division. It comes down to those last 12 games. There's a chance that one of those, you know, Montreal could run the table in those last two, last two weeks. And that could be just enough to get them. Whereas Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit beating up on each other. Uh, so I'm going to say Montreal and Cleveland are my wild card. Yeah. And Washington's getting better. So that's the other thing yeah. we just said, we're taking a snapshot on opening day. That's true. By yeah. the end of the year, Washington's ratings are going to be higher because all that's of these guys will have improved. So, so Washington, right, right. I might be my, I don't know if I could say my dark horse. Well, I'm not counting Havana as a dark horse. I think yeah. Havana is a legit. Well, let's player, say so. this though. Let's say if Washington starts, if Washington starts, well, if, if Washington's yeah. like 500 in June. Yeah. Yeah. You know, then, then they're going to go shine. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be my dark horse candidate. All right. All right. I think we'll wrap it up here. Thanks for everyone for listening. Extra long, extra expanded expansion edition of the season preview. And until next time, here's to fake baseball. 